Major, welcome to another conversation on the Pharmacy Podcast. How are you doing today? You're glad to be here. I'm excited, actually. So we're talking about artificial intelligence. Is that that right? We are. It's one of those conversations that everyone wants to have and nobody knows to talk about. And nobody knows what to talk about. (laughs) They're like, artificial (laughs) intelligence. That's great. (laughs) You're listening to the Gavel and Pestle Podcast with Darshan Kulkarni. The Gavel and Pestle Podcast, where the law of the land intersects with the business of pharmacy. I really think I'm entitled to an answer to that question. Artificial intelligence is intelligence demonstrated by machines, in contrast to the natural intelligence displayed by humans and other animals. It's one of the. I, I saw a um, recent bit of news where I think it was Hooters who literally just said that they're going to have a drink called blockchain and oh, their, their stock shot through the roof. I think artificial intelligence is one of those things like you just use the, those magic words and suddenly everyone's all interested in you. You can't be a company not in artificial intelligence anymore. So that's the formula, it's right? Because take something that's been right. popular in the past and then add like the buzzwords. <laughs> so like slap bracelets, blockchain. <laughs> Actually, exactly. That's, that's kind of neat. <laughs> I love how you added slap bracelets to, bro- to blockchain, but that's basically the same concept. <laughs> right. Apple pie blockchain. That t- does not sound delicious <laughs> at all. So, but today we're talking specifically how this relates to, 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 to pharmacy, right? We are. And what we want to talk about is if artificial artificial intelligence or AI is a real thing, what does that look like for pharmacy? So one of the things we um, I always talk about is um, coming out of pharmacy school, this is such a long time ago, we read about pharmacists being replaced by ATMs. And the idea was, why do you really need a pharmacist when I can just go 24 hours a day to a ATM that's sitting in a pharmacy somewhere, maybe not even inside a pharmacy. And uh, it'll get my information. Maybe it's some kind of uh, fingerprint recording. Maybe it's an eye scanner. Uh, And for refills, it would just dispense the medication that I want. And um, in certain states, that's actually technically allowed. And I know Mm -hmm. in certain states, again, going back a few years, I think it was like Virginia, they said that that was allowed. And they're already doing that to a certain extent. It never quite took off. I mean, I can see it with like over-the-counter drugs, right? Tylenol, Benadryl, that kind of thing. And maybe even some uh, some over-the-counters that have uh, limits, like, you know, pseudoephedrine, that kind of thing. So, but, but specific to prescriptions, like there's a reason prescriptions exist. You need a, prescri- you need a script for X, Y, or Z. But... What, what's, well, what's the human element Is that really there? true, though? I mean, I, I guess what you're really referring to is this idea of um, being that learned intermediary and checking up to make sure the well, patient still needs it. What about that but question? what if it's something like a diabetes medication that you're taking every day for the next 45 years? But, what if it's your blood pressure medicine? But even, even really on an elemental level, I like, like, this is, let's, let's take it back a bit. Like, why do we even need prescriptions? Oh, great, great question. So the idea, again, comes from the concept that a patient does not know enough about medicine. It's the same reason that, that you go to an architect to build a building. Yeah, you could build your own building, but that's probably not the safest thing in the world. So you're essentially the saving the patient from themselves. Like, So you don't need a prescription exactly. for safer drugs, quote unquote, like Tylenol, uh, but to put that in that category. But you would need it for for like Percocet or for, for other, you know, potentially 
harmful medications? So it's it's uh, sometimes for harm, like you're pointing out. First of all, Tylenol is an interesting example because beyond four grams, it can actually start causing liver problems. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so it's safe, but not as safe as one might think. And um, ignoring the acetaminophen, like, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, when you work in a hospital, every so often you you see root, relatively routinely people coming in with Tylenol overdose. Um, huh. And it's usually young women, but I've seen young men and I've seen older people all come in um, with with these Tylenol overdose problems. And sometimes it's not even because they were trying to overdose. Sometimes it's because they couldn't tell that product A and product B both contain, contain Tylenol. But the point being, as a pharmacist, we're supposed to be looking at that. We're supposed to be tracking that and controlling that uh, and from a safety perspective. But from an efficacy perspective, pharmacists are also supposed to be looking at this. Is Tylenol the right medication if you have liver problems? Is Tylenol the right medication if you are if there's an opioid crisis and you have severe jaw pain? And and that's really the balancing act that a pharmacist should do. So to your point about prescriptions, what a pharmacist is supposed to do is look at whether this product is right for you, not just based on the product itself, but based on you and your disease state. And um, and any other medications you're taking, mm-hmm. and and a variety of other factors. Well, the only reason I, the, the pharmacist is not an ATM is the human element, right? So the ability to take into consideration the the, the patient's previous medical history, well, uh, for what they can see, and mm-hmm. how certain drugs interact with each other, is this right for you know, for the scenario? But assuming like you know, present day, all of that those considerations can be somehow contained in some sort of AI unit, I'm sure. But what's the human element that's preventing all of this from happening? So this is great. This is a, a great conversation. Every pharmacist, you, you talk to anyone who is not a pharmacist and their first response would be, this is stuff that's trackable. This is stuff that can be easily figured out. And uh, <laughs> you and me and all and the 800,000 people listening to us right now, <laughs> right. that is totally true. Here, here's the flip side of that same discussion, though. Pharmacists and physicians are constantly bombarded with um, overwarnings. So just because it's possible doesn't mean anyone wants to do it. And let me give you an example of that. Um, if, if you give a prescription for a drug and the patient's on nine other drugs, there's a very, very, very good chance it interacts with those other drugs. Mm-hmm. What interaction is meaningful is what a pharmacist decides, what a doctor decides. And that's really the question. Um, I, there was a lisa, recent talk. I went to a, um, a conference for lawyers recently, and um, we had one of the counsels from um, IBM Watson, which would be an, a great example of AI. And they were talking about the use of Watson in healthcare. And one of the key things he was talking about is we're not trying to replace anyone. What we're trying to do is help those people. Now, you might say, well, isn't that just an intermediate step? Uh, You'll eventually want to replace everyone. Right. The truth is they don't necessarily want to because if they do, they take on the liability of things going wrong. And that's what a lot of these companies don't want. They don't want to get in the business, get into the business of figuring out all the right moves based on all these different sources of information and then finding out that um, someone still got hurt because that will happen 
very routinely. And that becomes the problem. The problem becomes how do you do you want to take on the liability? And when companies like IBM, companies that are massive, your Googles of the world, your Apples of the world, they often are saying, we can develop the AI, but we do not want to touch the liability. Because you're talking millions and billions of dollars in liability. That's, that's more of a leap, wouldn't you say? Like, like so, so for example, there are current steps for the opioid crisis that uh-huh. – uh, that are kind of gearing gearing up for a solution, right? Like the PDMP, the Prescription Drug Monitoring sure. Program. Uh, Absolutely. Now, that's one tool a pharmacist has to right. uh, essentially combat the crisis or, or, or just to be more, more informed about the patient. Now, Absolutely. I can see AI helping or being, being the tool, being a tool to help that pharmacist separate the chaff from the wheat, right? Like, so, 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 (laughs) (laughs) like, like, you know, they they need to separate or or be able to cut through the noise and pick out. I think that's what these softwares are saying. They're saying we'll help you cut uh, the chaff from the wheat. What we don't want to do is tell you, here's the wheat you use. Mm -hmm. What they're saying is you decide what the wheat is, because if you get hurt having the wheat, we don't want the responsibility. Right. What we'll do is we'll cut out the noise. So and, and go ahead. And, and, and I get that that that's that's that that's all well and good. It's just I mm-hmm. think maybe right now AI as it is, there still needs to be more steps before that's actually fully implemented. Like there needs to be more PDMPs, or there will be. Now, now there is a need. There to will be. be, but there are already certain states. I believe Maine has already said that we don't want a PDMP just for controlled substances. Mm-hmm. We want a PDMP for most drugs. Which will help people, uh, for example, if a patient walks into the ER and you don't know what medications they're on, you can get a true list, which would be very, very useful. Um, one of the things most hospitals have to do is uh, you, you do what's called a medication reconciliation, which basically means that the patient comes in and um, you need to figure out what the medications are. Very routinely, you will find that the patient's list of medications is very different from what the doctor is actually prescribed. Okay. And the reason for that is because the patient takes the medications differently and because it helps the patient. Um, the patient just it felt bad. He got nauseous. She got, um, she got giddy. She got uh, whatever it is. And the idea is that a PDMP is one part of the tool. It mm-hmm. does not calibrate for how the patient actually uses it. Right. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's, that's like a sure. the silver bullet. And I get that. Absolutely. Um, but all I was saying was it gives them more of an option or, or another tool to use. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the key piece. I think AI will will start off becoming a a resource. And it's, it's probably going to become a much bigger um, solution as we continue. I mean, one of the things they talk about, the, the Institute of Medicine put out a bit of data saying that uh, – between 44,000 to 98,000 deaths result from medical errors in hospital alone. In hospitals alone, mm-hmm. um, of this, 7,000 deaths are related to medication. So, if you've got all these pharmacists being paid, in many cases, over 100,000 $100, dollars a year, and and you're talking about teams and teams of pharmacists, one of the hospitals I work at has over has almost 300 pharmacists. So you're paying these people, well, 300 people in the pharmacy department, not 300 pharmacists. Um, but these teams and teams of pharmacists still can't prevent um, 7,000 deaths every year. 
So, and that's not counting the doctors, that not, that's not counting the nurses. So the question is, is AI going to be able to solve that? And I think there's an argument to be made that they can, they can at least help beat away at that number. And I think that might be part of the argument. So, um, I, I, you know, and, and I'm sure, and well, in healthcare, it's all about speed and accuracy. And mm-hmm. when it comes to like a trauma center or, or something of, of that mm-hmm. sort. So Absolutely. somebody comes into a trauma center, poorest day of their life. Yep. Doctor needs to know everything that they can ASAP. That right. I think is where the AI really comes into, comes into play. Once that, once. How do you say it playing out? In terms of uh, whatever system there's going to be in, probably already is a system in place that will be a tool for information uh, that allows that patient's medical history and other doctors to effectively collaborate much more in real time. So great question. So that, you know what I just realized major, we didn't actually define what AI actually is. Right. We're making that assumption. So, so what is, (laughs) so AI artificial intelligence. Now when, when someone says AI, people think, what people people think of Hal from uh, what's the movie? Um, Hal two thousand. Uh, jeez. Um, okay, you know what? Well, this is the, this is a question for the audience. Come on, if you could think about it, because I can't uh, at this moment. I think it was a Kubrick movie. I know it's a Kubrick movie. I just can't remember it. Um, tweet us. Let us know what which movie it is, because we can't remember right now. Um, we don't even know what anyways. to Google to find it. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but you know, but it, that, to us, artificial intelligence is that robot that comes out and says, "Like, good morning, Will Robinson." Exactly <laughs> you know? right. Artificial intelligence—that's what people visualize. They think about the robot. They think about um, Robin Williams, from, a separate uh, entity, a physical thing that has intelligence. That's or not, yeah, or they think about Skynet. Oh, geez. from Terminator. Yeah, that's fun. That's a great thought. That's <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so so you know, why would and also in in, in current uh economic times, you know, taking or taking the place of certain jobs or job functions, uh that's the, that's right. that's one of the concerns, but but the what we're talking about specifically is is and what this is relating to is providing a tool. It's not a replacement for a position. It's more so to enhance that position's ability to to do that job function much better, I guess. And right now, I think that's where we are. I think right now the big goal is how do we get to a point where the uh, where the tool can go, let me help you. So right now we have issues with overwarning. We have issues with underwarning. We have issues with bad information. I think what AI will be able to do initially at least is um, separate the wheat from the chaff and basically say, look, these are the tool, these are the ones that really matter. Take a look, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. What I think the end game, however, and this is where you as a company make billions upon billions, but in exchange for that, you take on liability of billions upon billions. Um, we're just hoping the scale of billions are different. Um, but, but the point is that if you can get into saving uh, a hospital millions upon millions every single year, in just healthcare uh, and, and sort of costs associated with healthcare practitioners, whether it's pharmacists, whether it's um, it's physicians, and we can talk about what's happening in the, in the field of physicians where 
there was um, several years ago, I think this was like 2006, there was a robot that conducted a fully, uh, an AI that did a surgery. This was in Italy all by itself. Hmm. So it's not like physicians are safe. Um, you take the Da Vinci system, you add an AI to it. How is that really that far off? We already know that this can happen. But we're, you know, that's, that's, that's a, I, I think that's the, the, the argument of like outs, outsourcing robotic kind of thing, like, like with AI, like, I, I think, I think right now the focus specifically is to just provide a tool, a tool set, uh, a broader right. ability. But do you remember how um, in maybe 2002, 2003, and some of you guys weren't even born then, some of you guys listening to this, you weren't even born then, but I remember listening to Dragon Naturally Speak, and I had this wonderful memory of going, one day I'm going to be able to speak to my computer, and it's going to type out my notes for me. Today we have Siri, today we have uh, Cortana, uh, today we have Alexa, and they're doing a lot more than typing my notes. And I think that's what the future is going to be. It's going to start off with us saying, it's going to help me make decisions. Tomorrow is going to take my job. And what does that look like? And it's not, it's not a hypothetical. I think it's something that people are truly worried about. It's something that Elon Musk and Bill Gates and every, ser- every serious person in any kind of AI technology has an actual concern around this. I mean, we, we take you, – you go, well – Think life is much more complicated, much more complex. But as we all know, self-driving cars are already here. Uh, the first self-driving truck is actually on the road. I read that yesterday. I think Amazon just uh, just put their own self-driving uh, I, truck I on think the road. Google data centers are using uh, Tesla rigs to haul their materials. Is that what, is that what it was? That, okay. that, that's what I read. Yeah. Okay. I, I sometimes get my Reddit wrong. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, even so, still that, you know, regardless, you're right. It's not, you know, you're not off, off, off base at all. Right. So, so that's one of the that things with, the with AI is, is, is mm-hmm. the, the creativity aspect. Right. So, so that's, that's kind of why I'm, I, I was like resistant against like something like surgeons or, or something of the m- more creative, uh, you know, pharmacists, there's a level of creativity with pharmacists because they have to be able to interpret and and engage the person and you know who how are they feeling today how are you going to approach them with this information in the best way that that patient is going to be able to you know absorb the information won't shut you out and will come back for more because they appreciate you and that connection you've made like that that aspect is not you can't program that sure yet. now tell me <laughs> tell me a little bit about the fact that people would say say the same thing about their money and how people want to feel safe getting their money from someone they trust until they got ATMs. And they were told they could get their money at midnight while they were half drunk going to a club. Well, there's always that said, risk. I love that. There, there, well, right. there's always that risk that, that something bad is going to happen, that, that there's going to be you know a, a coding error and the stock market crashes or something happens. Like That's just a risk that we assume uh, and accept in exchange to utilize this technology. That's just part of the world, but a right. part, part of that scape. But I think what AI is going to offer as we continue is this idea that artificial intelligence can learn faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they did this study that I thought that was interesting where they took a dermatologist and they said that the average dermatologist apparently goes through about 200,000 cases in their entire lifetime. They took an artificial intelligence and tested it it went through 120,000 cases in three months. It was as good 
as a person who'd done dermatology for half their life. That's how quickly AI learns. Right, and so there's, there's imagine- always going to be that, like, those, 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 those cases you can pigeonhole. But then you have those fringe cases that, that won't be able to be serviced by, by that. And I Absolutely. Think, so, yeah. so maybe that's the future, right? You get specialists. So not everyone becomes a pharmacist because you've got to meet everyday daily needs. And then I don't you think anybody specialists. likes to be down that production line, you know, because then it becomes right. that, that, that perfunctory, like, you are this, you're classified as this. It's like, but I'm, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that realization. And I think pharmacists talk about this every single time. They, they talk about the fact that they, they work in many of these retail chains and they, they worry that they, they do the same grind every single day. Now, when they say, when you're reaching your world, and this is through social media, this is through AI, but you're going to need to reach a world where you do something special. What, what they're hiring you for is your uniqueness and not your ability to conform. And I think that there is... That, that world's not far off. I mean, on social media, you people are becoming, uh, when you talk about YouTube, nobodies are becoming sensations because of their YouTube videos. Um, I've gotten jobs off of LinkedIn. Right. And that's because I, I position myself in a unique way. And I, I express my opinion in a unique way. But that's still, you're and, still and taking the, a chance. And, and the reason I say that, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the, the reason I say that no. is, uh, I, I've I've known people to go to school, for example, uh, in like early 2000s for cartography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go out Absolutely. and they try to find a job. And then all of a sudden Google Maps comes out and everything that they all the opportunities that they had that were open, all those doors closed. And, they, and then they had to go back. To, so like it doesn't uh, you have to kind of be able to there's definitely a risk factor involved. Right. In, I, in choosing that direction. See, I, I, don't, I disagree with you on that, because I think that anyone who was doing cartography when Google Maps came out should actually have faced a job boom. Because you, can you imagine how many people are right now working at Google and at Apple who need to have cartography skills, and need, but need to understand that in the context of technology? And I think that's really what AI is going to force. It's going to force evolution. You're going to have to stop exactly. thinking of yourself as a single uh, job. Like most people are used to this idea of, I will get a single job and that right. will be my job I, I for the rest of my life. With regards to, the, to, to that example, it, it became a, a point of, of oversaturation in that field. Sure. So like, because, you know, one person could then do the job of, you know, and I'm just throwing a number out there, like a hundred, yeah. right? So because right. Of, of technology and, and how that, how that works. And actually the, the thing now is, I don't know if you know about the back end of ways. Now I'm not saying the back end in terms of the, the coding aspect, but there is an element that they reward users for to actually go go into a map and draw streets with vectors and so you get points according to how many uh, vectors get approved so like all these back roads through ways those are programmed mm-hmm. by somebody who lives there or who knows the I area know and and so so if there's construction i'm sure that that does other things but if there's a new road I'm sure users are all over that in an instant who are familiar with the area because they can then manually go in there and edit. And it's its own it's its own uh, uh, community to where you have different uh, like a hierarchy system. So like this person can edit this and someone else has to approve it. And that just kind of goes up until it's in the until it's involved in the whole thing. I think that's the point you're making. And that's the point I'm making, which is as AI comes into pharmacy. It's going to become about people contributing, and there are already movements like that, Absolutely. where people are saying that uh, people are going onto websites and reporting their own their own adverse events, 
and then instead of a pharmacist who has to scour the entire web, an AI will go out and scour the web and say, you know what? We saw this person on Twitter in 2006 who oh, reported so the same adverse event. Like I, I, I don't know why I'm so scared of that. Like it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of like loan applications. <laughs> like, isn't there like a company in China that will like look at your social media? There's actually, I think there, I, I did read something about that where like if you miss a payment for a loan, they'll then share it on your social media accounts. <laughs> like so, it's like public so, shaming, so public sharing, and public shaming. If yeah, you will. which is really not an ideal <laughs> scenario. But anyway, going back to the far, pharmacy uh, space. Uh, what, what else do we have to, to add to that? Like, I mean, we, we can talk about the fact that AI tends to be less error prone. AI tends to be uh, tends to have a much faster speed in learning and, and it tends to be just plain cheaper. But the question becomes, is it a replacement tool? And I wrote an article for Pharmacy Edge magazine that will come out soon enough and uh, it will put out one position that I have. But I, I think that the position I put out, put out there is not as nuanced as, um, as I really – field because I think you've got to put out something uh, on that that sort of puts out a position uh, but the, the the understanding and the future is actually more nuanced and if you are engaging in pharmacy it's important that you understand not just uh, not just where things are but where things are going and if you're going to engage in artificial intelligence you need to understand how that fits into things like the internet of things and you need to understand how it fits into just the general concept of futurism. You need to understand how this is all coming together. And and there's a there's, there are curves we can share that talk about what the next whether it's wearables. I mean, you can talk about things like pharmacogenomics, and you can talk about the fact that um, pharmacists will now have to input information. Uh, from all these different data sources. And can pharmacists do that? Are, are pharmacists going to become, the, in the future, are pharmacists going to be the ones looking at wearables and looking at data from wearables to help patients who are already communicating uh, on a, uh, who, who can go to the doctor uh, because the doctor is already dealing with far too many inputs and the pharmacist becomes your default provider. I have what a question for, look like? I have a question yeah. for Darshan, the pharmacist. If okay. you had a tool that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if you had an assistant who mm-hmm. would provide you with information with the patient in front of you who just gave you a prescription mm-hmm. and it gave you everything you needed to know, including if you had that medication in stock. <laughs> um, right, right. What tools would that eliminate and how much faster do you see that interaction going? So, um, and I don't mean like you don't have to name specific tools, been- just, just like estimate like you know 10 sure. 3, 2 so the problem again is not the physical dispensing right it's never been can i get the pill out fast enough it's always been things like do i need to get prior authorization from the insurance company so that this patient can okay it can i get more information about the patient can i get it's not i mean i could eliminate all of it and I could just literally pull out a pull out the pill bottle from behind and write it and write out the prescription. I've had to do that when power when there are power sort of losses. But there are also situations where you are talking about how, your your questions less about how much does it eliminate, and it's really more about how much does it augment and how much does it improve. And and what you're really saying is, if I could get live data on there are these patients right now in this area who are all suffering from the flu. This patient fits that profile. That's why it's, it's probably okay to give this medication. 
that's live data that I don't have. All I have is a gut feeling because I've had 15 patients come through in the last two weeks. If I knew that there is a, a um, better trending out there, for example, Google did a study um, and and I, I'm a vice president at a company called Synchrogenics. And one of the people we have on there is a guy called Jim Nasser. And Jim is one of the foremost world leaders on artificial intelligence and on blockchain. And we have these conversations and he was heading the CDC when it came to uh, these open platforms. And and Jim and I talk about these things uh, is often enough where we talk about the fact that Google tracked based on searches being done, where the how the flu was spreading. And turns out they were more accurate than most companies out there and most physicians out there, most healthcare providers out there. And that's going to be the power of AI. The power of AI is going to be able to see not just individual trends, but mass trends, and to be able to compare that and, and apply that to individuals. And that's something that the individual pharmacists simply can't do. Access so, big data, right? Access big data and access big data that's personalized. Right now, what you have is this problem around um, data land grabs, if you will. This idea that everyone wants to say we control this data. I mean, literally, the Roomba saying we control the data to what your rooms look like, what your houses look like. Um, MoviePass is coming out and saying we can tell you when you left your house and when you actually walked to your car and where you went after the movie and what you watched in the movie. Everyone's doing a land grab around data. And, and imagine the land grab. And companies like Microsoft are to do that around health. And they weren't particularly successful because there are a lot of limitations to that power. Things like HIPAA limit that to a significant extent. Well, I mean, you, you, you know my- about Target, right? Uh, and how they collected the <laughs> data and then they told they, they send a letter to someone's, you know, it's been, right. It's like, you know, would you your congratulations on your pregnancy? Something like that. Something along the lines that. that, that so that I'll tell you the story. The yeah, story yeah. was fascinating. It is. The story was this this young 16 year old girl, girl, I think. She went to Target, bought a couple of things, and uh, this is all being tracked. This was like a car on a card or something, some some way that they yeah. Were so she it. just scanned her Target card, right? Target, um, card. and she went home, and um, she got a letter uh, several days later with a congratulations on your pregnancy, and uh, her dad was very upset, and he goes, "Reasonably, she's a sixteen-year-old girl. What are you talking about?" Turns out <laughs> that Target pregnant. found out that people who buy these three or four or five elements are usually pregnant and therefore they send them out a set of coupons. And what That's she, what it was, the coupons, right? Right. And the dad didn't know, but the daughter was pregnant. And that's the scary world we live in in the future, where data is going to tell us more about what we're going to do before we know what we're going to do. And before we tell people, and what does that world look like? <laughs> Don't and tell I, me what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I saw this yesterday where, or maybe it was today, where they're talking about now using lasers to see around, see around bends because they want computers and they want the cars to predict things faster and, and before they happen. So... Jesus. Just keep that in mind. This world is oh, wow. is changing, and pharmacy better change. Are we going to get into a world where pharmacists are dispensing based on guidelines? Right. Because if that's what the if that's the world we're aiming for, what prevents a computer from saying you gave aspirin 
uh, step two of this process is to give two metoprolol 100 milligrams and then uh, measure for ta- uh, measure for tachycardia and see if the patient's suffering from bradycardia. Mm-hmm. You can follow an algorithm. A computer can follow an algorithm be- better than most people can. It can take in more inputs. What we as a pharmacist or as a profession need to start thinking about is if all of that is true, what is your unique addition? And um, I, I have students who ask me this question about what what is my role as a pharmacist? And most pharmacy schools, in my experience, um, this is my experience going to pharmacy school as well, was that they pushed the residency. I think the residency is great for people who want to practice pharmacy in a hospital setting for the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. The next question is what happens beyond those three to five years? And that's really what you should be training students for going in right now. And no one's really answering those questions. Mm. And um, if you message me, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more. If you have questions about what we've discussed in this podcast or how artificial intelligence will affect your pharmacy or general pharmacy strategy, reach out to us on Twitter at Cool Carney Law Firm. That is K-U-L-K-A-R-N-I Law Firm. Message us. A website, CoolCarneyLawFirm.com and contact Darshan Kulkarni directly at 215-948-8183. That's 215-948-8183. This is Darshan. Thanks for listening in. I really want to talk to you. Reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at, at FDA Lawyers. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Darshan Kukarni. And if you want to find me any other way, well, start with Twitter, but you can always email me as well. Darshan at conformlaw.com. Thanks for listening in. I'm really excited to hear from you.